The 2023-2024 UMass hockey season is just about here, and boy, do we have an episode for you guys. We were joined yet again by head coach Greg Carville to preview this season. This episode's awesome, so let's go. character hello everybody and welcome to episode 92 of high character we have a really special episode coming out for you we sat down for the second time with coach greg carville to preview the upcoming season so uh, it was a really fun interview we're excited to get that out for you guys my name is cameron and i am once again joined by my good pal evan evan how's it going man for all the people that are watching on YouTube, you can see the smile on my face right now. If you're listening on Spotify or wherever else you get your podcast, you can't see the smile, but I bet you can hear it through the tone of my voice. Um, it was awesome. You know, it was a really, really fun time. Always love talking to Carby, whether it's on the podcast or just, you know, in general, you know, before or after games or whatever. So a lot of really, really cool insights that, you know, you guys are going to hear in this episode. And yeah, just it was an amazing experience. Yeah. And I... uh this will basically be our season preview episode. So we talked a lot about the upcoming season with him, and then we're going to have a little bit more for you guys after we play the episode. But um, we know what you guys are here to see. So without further ado, here is Coach Carvel. So today we are joined yet again by the man about to start his eighth season as head coach of the Minutemen, Greg Carvel. Coach, how you doing as we talk two days away from opening night? I'm good. I'm excited. We're ready to go. We've been practicing long enough, and it's ready to play against somebody new. Awesome. I mean, thanks for coming on for the second time now. Um, obviously, these are, you know, our favorite episodes to to film. You know, the fans absolutely love to hear what you have to say. So, you know, welcome welcome to the podcast once again. Thank you. Well, you guys are, are two of the best supporters we have, and I'm very aware of that. So I'm always happy to help out. Great. Love to hear that from you. So how was your offseason? Unfortunately, a little bit longer than we're all used to lately, but did you put it to good use? Uh, we think so. Very, very busy. Um, you know, the portal is a crazy part of the year. And as soon as your season ends, you're you're diving deep into that. And it's it's everything. You feel like your hair is on fire. You're Everybody's chasing the same people. And it's about connections. And um, But we thought... We had more kids going to portal than we expected. I think we had six kids go in. Um, couple, two or three we weren't expecting. Uh, a couple we suggested that you know might be a wiser move for them. And so we have 13 new players, and I think that's kind of the average now for every Division One team is have 10 plus new players on our team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everybody's in the same boat as far as trying to to uh, incorporate new players and catch them up to speed. Uh, so the spring was. Uh, Started with the with the portal, and then uh, you know the guys had a lot of time to train. Which you know last year we weren't a we didn't have much of an identity as a team. We usually are a competitive, hard physical team, and part of that is making guys stronger in the off season. So we had a little more time to do that. Thought the summer was was really good. We had every kid in the team except three here to train for six weeks, and um, you know we got a big. European influence on this year's team. I'm sure you guys will want to ask about that. And yep. so we couldn't, we couldn't get everybody over here. Part of part of that was uh, just uh, situational where guys live. And uh, Robles basically was had to try out for the World Junior Team, and it made more sense for him to stay home and situations like that. Um, September has been great. 
uh, I'm really excited about this group potential. I know there's not much uh, uh, expectations on us for the first time in a while, and I'm fine with that. Kind of like that. I'm uh, kind of excited to try to grind our way back to the top of Hockey East. And um, I think this is as deep a team as we've had. We, we've got good depth in the net. Uh, we've got, I think, the best, as good a top nine forwards as, as we've ever had uh, in our defense, which last year was small and, and young. Uh, we had a lot of freshmen and sophomores, and this year we've got a lot of juniors and seniors and grad transfers. So I like, uh, I like how things are trending right now. That's awesome. And I mean, you touched upon it a little bit, you know, fully agree with everything you just said there. But um, you kind of briefly mentioned that, you know, we weren't the the, tu- the toughest team to play against, per se. You know what I mean? There was there was a lot of, you know, shortcomings of the team, admittedly. And could you just kind of elaborate a little bit more kind of on those like, you know, weaknesses of the team and how you kind of feel you address them? I mean, obviously, you know, the grit and the size is definitely a big change. Well, we knew we were going to take a hit because we we graduated the the, the grittiest class that we ever had when you mm-hmm. take Anthony and Del Gaizo and Trevino and Felix and then Matt Kessel signs early yeah. Josh Lapina leaves that's a that's hard to replace I'm sorry I don't know mm-hmm. you're not going to replace that didn't expect to get close but we weren't very close at all and it was very evident the way we played so the past two uh in the transfer portal we've, we've gotten grad transfers but thinking that they would play higher in our lineup and it never proved to be true. And so we kind of changed our, our lookout and we went after grad transfers that were going to bring us size and character and, and maturity. And we think we've done that. We've got four grad transfers. Uh, two of them were captains at their previous schools. And uh, Lucas Van Roboys is kind of, he's a huge gigantic man. It kind of scares me a little bit. And <laughs> so, you know, we have a, you know, we had a little bit different philosophy going into the uh, transfer portal. And at this point right now, I'm, I, I like the way we change things up. Last year, we saw some really great performances at times, obviously against the eventual national champion, Quinnipiac, uh, defending champions, Denver, as well as Northeastern, Merrimack, uh, Lowell as well. But there were also some pretty uncharacteristic losses. So uh, I'm curious how you evaluate those really good performances within the context of a down season like that? Are there takeaways that transfer over to this year from those performances? Uh, parity at this level, if you, if you can get the guys to play hard and get a few bounces, you, you can win. And I think that's what happened with Denver. Um, we were opportunistic. Uh, we've got good goaltending that weekend. Uh, Quinnipiac, you know what? Uh, similar that we just we came we played we beat Lowell the night before and then went to a shootout I think with Quinnipiac um but we had we had issues in the locker room that I didn't do a very good job of uh, recognizing and then uh, dealing with and I just felt like as the season went on things kind of kept crumbling and by the end of the year just wasn't much in much in the tank and as much as we can talk about talent uh if your team isn't unified if they don't have good chemistry if they're not excited to play hard for each other you're not going to get much and you know, i felt like that was the case last year and so we spent the offseason really attacking that um and i you know you, you don't know until you start playing games but i 
pretty optimistic that this group is going to compete hard and compete for each other. Um, that's that's what I'm excited about. It's about the groups, the group uh, group dynamics right now. I just think they're really strong. Yeah, and I'd agree. I think we're we're just as excited for this new season. We've been counting it down on our social media the whole time. Um, so you know, you touched upon it very briefly. Um, I believe we have 13 new players coming to the fold this season, if, uh, if the count is correct. Um, a lot of turnover this year. Um, like I said, you you touched upon it pretty briefly, but you know, you said that a, some of it was a little unexpected with the amount of players that you know ended up entering the portal from our team. Um, could you just kind of elaborate on, you know, how how that kind of how you approach that going into into the into the offseason that just passed? Well, as I said, it's the wild, wild west. When, yeah. uh, you know, the day the portal opens, we had some guys come in that were, I, I don't want to say shocked, but weren't expecting it. I understand you, if you've been here for a couple of years and you, you don't see your role as being what you want it to be, that's what the portal is for. And I have no problem with that. And we, we had, you know, Ryan Sullivan's, awesome kid and, and Henry Graham and they just they knew they were going to be depth players again and they like hey I just want to try somewhere else and that's I have no problem with that I think that's exactly what the portal is for um but then uh you have Tyson Dick who comes in in the last day of of the portal and, and tells you he's leaving and I have no problem with anyone leaving but I just it's that's tough to replace but I thought Nolan Glukowski and Tommy Upton did a really good job um, you know, filling this lineup for this year. So, um, not sure where your question started or where I went with it, but I am optimistic. I, yeah, I think this is a really good group of kids, and I think the staff has done a good job with the messaging and getting back to things that made this program successful in the past. Let's uh let's turn the page now to this season. So uh, obviously we've talked about a lot of new guys coming in. Let's start with the new skaters. So obviously a lot of talent when you look at junior stats as well as NHL draft pick pedigree. Um, with the departures, they're obviously going to have to handle a lot of the load this upcoming season. Is there anybody that you expect to make an impact in terms of skaters right away uh, at the start of the season? Yeah, I mean, uh, new faces to the program. I think we have uh, we've got three very good freshman forwards. Um, Don's Luck Mellish is a Bruins draft pick. He's been very impressive early on. He's, he's not a big kid, and he needs to get stronger. And that's uh, but his skating and his compete, his attitude is is top level. And I'm very excited for him. Um, Idar Suniev has been outstanding. He's talented. He's big. He's he's. He's stronger and tougher than I expected him to be. And I thought there'd be some, uh, you know, some growing pains, but he's, he's been outstanding through, uh, through September. And Jack Musa is another really talented forward. And those three guys are, they're going to play a lot. They're, they're really talented players. Um, Nick Van Tassel is, is an Ottawa draft pick, late pick, maybe seventh round, but he's been hurt. We haven't really seen him yet. Uh, so I, I don't have, I can't tell you what he's going to bring. Um, and then Michael Robble is the, you know, the highest profile of all of them. He's gigantic. He's six foot seven and he's, he's a big man, but he's only 18. So those, those four guys uh, should make immediate impacts. 
Yeah, and then shifting over kind of the defensive side, not so much on the freshman with this question, but just in general. So, you know, we, we were able to retain the services of, of Ufco and Morrow for this upcoming season, um, which is absolutely huge, you know what I mean, in terms of experience and skill overall. Um, were you really nervous about either of them going pro? Um, you know, like, it, it's definitely a really, really big thing to keep them on. But, you know, did you kind of have a, a backup plan in place in case that did happen and they went some, you know, they obviously went pro? Yeah, you try to keep conversations going with the, the kids who are drafted and, you know, what they're thinking, feeling. Um, go and, and what we tell, we, we try to keep drafted players here through three years. We, we think that's the right amount of time. Um, Ufko, I think, was always in agreement. You know, for him, his development is about getting uh, stronger and quicker, and that takes time. And uh, so we we were pretty comfortable. He was coming back for th three years. Um, Scotty made it made us aware later in last season that he thought he needed another year of development uh, here. And so that that one was a little more. You know, we were ready for him to leave, but you know, it was late enough in the season that we put him in our plans and didn't have to. You know, before the portal opened up, we knew he was coming back. So that was that was. Uh, very helpful and they're going to be those two uh they're going to be near the top of the top they're the best defensemen in, in our league i know there's some other very good ones but I, I think these two guys are going to have outstanding seasons awesome and uh speaking of ufco he was named captain for the season alongside aaron bollinger um we've heard bits and pieces about how the captains get picked how it's voted by the players but we're just curious if you do you have a final say in how that shapes out, or is it fully governed by the players and kept have kept to them? Yeah, we we wanted to make sure that we we got this part right, so it was a bit of a drawn out process. Um, you know, we didn't announce captains until I think early September, it's because we wanted to we wanted everyone to go through the spring and the summer, and we wanted to see and we wanted all the other players to see who, who who the guys are who not just led but really wanted to lead i've always felt like you really want to need to need to want to be the captain not oh my my teammates think i should be i get yeah i guess i'll be captain it, you, you need guys who are like i want this to be mine get on my back i'll lead the way and so uh the process was much different this year the players do do vote but I just use that as, uh, you know, I, I make the final decision along with the, the, the rest of the staff. Uh, but we do include the players. We want to know how they feel. And it was it was obvious to everybody, the two choices. Absolutely great to hear. And now, obviously, switching over to, you know, to goaltending now. Um, so we were expecting, you know, a, a trio of David Fessenden out of UNH coming out of, you know, the transfer portal. Obviously, we we're going to retain Cole Brady and then Jackson Irving was going to come through. But... Fessenden didn't end up making it to, to campus for some undisclosed reason. Um, and now we have Michael Harabel coming in, you know, that's, that's absolutely huge, but you know, how do you think that, you know, especially, you know, now that you've seen Harabel in practice, um, how do you think his transition is going to be at, you know, such a young age, you mentioned he's only 18 and seemingly he's coming a year earlier than expected. You know, how do you kind of see him transitioning and how did that kind of play out for you guys? Whether you're a goalie or you play out, I think there's transition. I, I don't think he's going to step in and and have a 950 save percentage. Um, yes. What I what I do, what I like seeing is that he's a very mature kid. He he's focused. He he has a really good 
attitude, really good energy about him where you get the same thing every day. Uh, I struggle with goaltenders that get emotional and throw their hands in the air when a goal goes in and you know, Michael's out there. He's very competitive, um, but he, he has a, he has a good compete level that has a cap on it. Um, I don't know enough about goalies with watching practice to say, Oh yeah, he's, 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 he's really good. Uh, all I know is he's really, really big. Um, competitive and, and Cole Brady's a big kid and, and Cole's had a really good September as well. So I feel we've got, we've got, you know, a really good situation where we've got a young guy who's got an older guy who's going to help him along and we're going to have good options uh, every night. Awesome. Yeah. Honing in on that a little bit more. Um, recent years, UMass has obviously prided itself in goaltending uh, with Lindbergh and Murray. As well as uh, like Brad Arvinitis is in AHL training camp. Henry Graham has had success, so uh, a lot of success at that position. Kind of curious what we can expect this year. I know we have um, Steve Mastelares coming in. He's the director of player development, but uh, safe to say he's going to have a big role in that goaltender group. So curious how you think that is going to improve our our goaltending this season. Yeah, last year was the first time. I don't know how long I've been a head coach, 10, 11, 12 years, however long. First time I did not have uh, a coach on staff who was not a former goaltender. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's hard. I mean, that's quite a streak. It's, it's, as college coaches, it's one of the harder things is trying to figure out how to how to find the right coaching for your goaltenders. Um, and last year, it was uh, you know it was obvious. We, it was uh, a hole in the it was a hole in our staff, and so the NCAA made the changes, and it was great. Um, allowed us to bring in Steve. Uh, we, we originally were going to bring in Mike Buckley, who's an alum who has a ton of NHL experience, but he was hired away by the LA Kings. Mm-hmm. And then he highly recommended Steve uh, Masterlers. And I, I'd gotten to know Steve during my time here. He's a, you know, kind of a, a younger alum mm-hmm. and just through different events and through hockey. I had built a little bit of a relationship with him. And then Mike really strongly recommended him because Steve, Steve's an experienced goalie coach. You know, he, he was, he was a starting goaltender here at UMass played pro hockey. Um, actually the Los Angeles farm team at the uh, Ontario rain, I believe wanted him to be their goalie coach. And he, uh, you know, we wanted to stay in the East coast and we provided a really good opportunity for him. So I think he's really excited to be here. I, I absolutely love having him. I love that he's a goaltender, and I love that he's a UMass alum. So he, he fills big holes that we're missing on our staff. And I know the goaltenders really appreciate it. And so that that's a lot of things went our way this summer. Um, you know, now we got Michael Robble here. And uh, again, the, the transfer portal, I, I like what we did with it this year. And, um, and staff, you know, our staff's in place. We we did lose our, our strength coach, Brandon Wicket. We lost him in late August, early September. Uh, the Seattle Kraken uh, hired him away. And, uh, Brandon deserved that. He did a hell of a job for three years. And we got, I think we got very lucky. We hired a gentleman named Mike Vaughn, who uh, just started two weeks ago. And he, he's been outstanding as well. So I feel like staffs, uh, we've got a really strong staff. Uh, we got a really good group of kids. We got young talent. We got uh, old old man leadership with all our grad transfers. Mm-hmm. And 
we just got to start playing and see if we can create a strong identity. 100%. It must be kind of a really flattering thing on on your end, you know, especially like if some of your staff's getting hired by an NHL club at the end of the day, you know, you know that you have the right people being a part of your program. That must be a, a really high honor. Yeah, I've been I've been pretty fortunate when I hiring stuff to do you you think you're making the right decisions, you don't always know, but you know, my first my first hire is now the head coach at Colorado College. Um, you know, Ben Bars, head coach at Maine, Jared DeMichaels. Uh, he'll be a future head coach someday. Um, and you know, Brandon fits in that category. He, he was a really good hire and we got a lot out of him the time we had him and I wish him nothing but the best. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and just for the, uh, kind of our last question regarding goaltending. So we mentioned, you know, Matt Murray and Philip Lindbergh. I'm going to throw out their heights here. They're both 6-1. And now we have two absolutely massive goalies on our in our goalie group this year. You know, Crabble coming in at 6-7, Cole Brady at 6-5. Is that something that you're starting to value more as a coach? Because we always see like NHL scouts start to value height a lot more when it comes to kind of, you know, just overall scouting and recruiting and stuff. Is that something that you start to take into account more, or is that just kind of a, a happy byproduct of getting the right guy into the program? It's just byproduct. I think I think Devin uh, Levi was the best goalie in our league for the last couple of years, and he doesn't look much bigger than me. Yeah, so it's not about how big you are. I take a lot of Bobby Trevino's over six foot four forwards. I'll, I'll tell you that. So it's about the it's about the makeup of the individual, and you know. Those guys, they're pro, they're pro typical goaltenders uh, with their size. And uh, the thing that Michael I think sets him apart is he's he's very athletic for for his size. He's he's quick. He moves really well for for his size. Um, and so I'm I'm excited to see how that how that uh, carries over into playing hockey. Awesome. Cool. And just to to wrap up the goalie conversation, do you have a starter for Saturday or not yet? I'm not the goalie coach. I don't I don't answer that question. Gotcha. No? Okay. That's why I'm happy we got Steve. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So uh switching over now um to more of a college hockey as a whole type question. Uh how much do you pay attention to how other teams are doing with their recruits coming in on uh, media polls, stuff like that? Obviously, a couple teams in hockey east that have gotten very strong this offseason. Uh, they continue to get better. Does that factor into how you run things with your program, or do you let that noise go to the side? We do what we do the best we can. Mm-hmm. You know, polls don't really have any effect. Um, doesn't matter what other teams do. We we chase certain types of players and we try our best to get them. Whether there's a newspaper article written about it or somebody decides, you know, where we rank in something. It, doesn't affect anything that we do. And then just kind of building off that, I mean, obviously with a lot of transfers, you know, there's there's been a lot of transfers happening very, very late in the cycle and they're late in the off season most recently. You know, you got guys like Alex Bump or um the individual that was just from I think from Western Michigan. I forget his name off the top of my head. But um, you know, we have some guys that are transferring very late. Are you interested in any of those types of players? Or, you know, is there a point in the offseason where you could say, we have our team, we're happy with our guys and we're not really gonna gonna listen to you know, who else might be decommitting from another school really late? Well, we, we have a limit on how many players that we can have on our roster. And, of course. Uh, so we were we were one short. You know, as I said, we, we lost Tyson Dick late in the process, and we didn't really replace him. And we went through the summer seeing what would shake out if anything came our way. And 
we were planning on going into the season with one less forward than we wanted to. Um, and then I was a, I was at the campus of Vassar. I think it was August 28th. I was taking my daughter to school and my assistants called me and like, Hey, you want to pick up another forward? I said, geez, how does this happen? And, um, Christian Sanda, who, who played four years at, at Union and was uh, training to go play in the East Coast League. <clears throat> um, for some reason, it, it played out, and uh, four days later, he was on campus. And uh, glad we got him. He's, you know, again, a guy who's played four years. I, I like that experience. Um, he'll play. He'll play down in our in our lineup, but I like the I like having the bottom of our lineup be old experienced players uh, again i think it's a nice compliment to what we have uh, in the top three lines cool and speaking of new rules uh, like the transfer rule nil is really starting to take over the college sports landscape do you see that as something that's going to be important for your hockey program uh just considering we've seen uh some rumors of some really big deals at other for other guys at other schools we're all we're all waiting to see because mm -hmm. these and, and as far as I know, they're just rumors. Like, I don't know of anyone who, who has you hear, oh, this kid got this much money to go here. I look at it and like that kid was going to go there either way. You know, you know, I should say like this. He probably wasn't coming to us. He was either going to go to this school or that school. Mm -hmm. So I don't feel like for us, uh, the NIL is, has affected anything yet. Uh, I think like everything else, over time, things start to separate, and you know, obviously, the Big Ten schools are the ones that have the the big resources, and they're and they're separating themselves. We just can't get separated from that next group of of, of schools that that we see ourselves uh, as you know very similar, and we often compete for the, with those schools for recruits. So, at this point, NIL has not had much of an effect on us, but I, I'm not naive enough to think that in a year or two it's going to be a, a more of an issue for us yeah no that makes that makes perfect sense so um last year when you were on the pod with us um we had you pretty early on in the off season obviously i think it was sometime in like late august so you hadn't really seen the the, the team practice a whole lot um you've kind of touched on it a little bit so far but how do you feel that the overall preparation has been and how how the practice has kind of gone along are you you feel ready to go in two days obviously i mean you you must at this point well we all want to play because we're practices get gets old after mm -hmm. after a while and you can tell when they're competing on the ice that they're tired of banging into each other they need to bang into you know somebody and an opponent <laughs> it's with 13 new players and we've we've made a fair uh amount of adjustments to the way we're going to play so there's been a lot of teaching, a lot of development through September. And, and again, we need to play games to help the process move along. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. Again, last year was a, was a difficult year as a coach and, and for our team. And they just the optimism that I have, uh, the excitement that I have to get on the ice every day with this group is really rejuvenated me. Um, and so I'm ready to go. I think we've practiced enough that we'll look like an organized team. We'll have a lot of new players. And I, it's funny when we have practice, when you do a drill, the vet, the returning players do it 
so well and the new guys takes them a lot it takes them a while to figure out how a drill works and you know what we're trying to accomplish and so but happens every year and um you know aic is a great opponent they they play us hard they're well coached um I think they have one of the better recruiting classes that they've had. So uh, I, I, I'm excited. We go to Dartmouth on Sunday. I think it's good for us to play two games, you know, a little adversity. You have to get on the bus and travel and get off and, and play a game. We don't usually do that. Um, so this weekend will be great. It'll, it'll, it'll show us a lot. And for coaches, we need that. We need to see where the, the holes are so we can, we can fill them. Awesome. And we know you're on a on a time constraint, so we'll keep it quick. We just got a, a couple more quick ones left for you. Um, we saw that Bobby Trevino was on campus a couple weeks ago. That was really awesome to see. Uh, were there any other players that have kind of made a stop during the offseason, whether it be to, to train or just to say hi to you and the staff? Yeah, we've we got a number of guys that like to come back. Uh, we see Matt Kessel a lot, especially because he's down in Springfield. Zach Jones is around a lot You know, when he was in Hartford last year. Uh, Bobby, Bobby comes around a lot. Colin Felix is here a lot. Um, these, these hard, high character kids that, and you know what, it's every, it happens over and over again. These kids leave maybe a little too early and next thing you know, they're here Man, I miss it. Boy, I miss mm -hmm. this. I, I say to, I say to kids now, I say, well, did you grow up dreaming of playing division one hockey? Oh yeah. Did you grow up? Dreaming of playing in the NHL? Oh yeah. Did you grow up dreaming of playing in the American League? And they're like, no. I said, well, that's <laughs> then don't go. Stay here where where you wanted to play. Play another year. Um, and I think for the guys that did that, Bobby Trevino and Kale McCarr, guys who stayed a year longer than everybody thought they were. What years did they have? Yeah. And I think you'll see that with uh, Moro and Ofco this year. Super excited. So just the very last one, if you don't mind, um, just overall, you know, we have some some interesting games on this year's schedule. What do you think is going to be the most exciting part? Is it the Lake Placid games? Is it anything else in particular? I Well, we got Michigan at home. Yep. Should be a fun weekend. Then going to Minnesota State the next weekend, I think will be a good experience. Um, tough place to play. Um Again, just getting the group away from campus. Lake Placid will be fun because that's, you know, Miracle on Ice. And that's area I grew up somewhat close to Lake Placid. And so that'd be very fun for me. We used to, when I was in ECAC, that was where our, the final, you know, the championships were played. And it's, it's a great place. It's a fun place to be. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on uh, other non-conference games, but, um, it was just announced we're going to go to Las Vegas the following year. I think we, yep. go, to Arizona, I think we go to Arizona State uh, next year as well. So we'll continue every year, try to get out out to a new opponent, uh, you know, out of the East and try to get somebody in our building as well. So um, last year we had Ireland and Fenway. We don't have those kind of events, but we're always, we're always, uh, we're always looking for them. Awesome. Great to hear from you, Coach. Thank you yet again for taking the time with us. It's great Thank to you so much. Anytime, guys. It's a pleasure. Watch out! Watch out! And that is our interview with the head coach of the Minutemen, Greg Carvel. Really fun conversation. Uh, obviously, I had to cut it a little bit short. We didn't get to ask everything that we wanted because of a time constraint, but felt like we got a, a lot of cool answers and very candid answers once again from Coach.
Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's the one thing that, you know, you really got to appreciate about Carvel or Carvel is just that, you know, he is a very candid individual. You know, he'll he'll give you his thoughts and, you know, how he sees things. And he's not really going to sugarcoat a whole lot. You know, he told us in pretty blunt terms kind of what his thought processes were throughout the, you know, the offseason and just kind of how he overall just navigated, you know, everything that's going on nowadays. You know, things are things are constantly changing in these off seasons now. So to hear his perspective was was super enlightening. Yeah, and one thing that stood out the most to me was how open he was about the locker room and what happened last year, um, what happens with the captain's vote, stuff like that. He was very open about um, explaining that there was a problem in the locker room last year. It's kind of what we expected, but we didn't really know full details about that before this conversation, so that was very interesting. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think, you know, we were just talking before we started recording, you know, just talking about like his thoughts on NIL like that. That was that was crazy to me just because like, I mean, I'm always you know, I always kind of thought of Carvel as the type of person that he's not going to pay people to come to UMass. You know, if you if you want to come to UMass, you're going to be here because you like the culture and you like the coaching staff, and you like the facilities. No amount of money is going to change that. So I don't think I was fully shocked with, you know, his sort of answers on that. But just the fact that he put it out there in the public sphere, I thought was was super cool of him. Yeah, it really was. So uh, you heard his thoughts on what he thinks about this upcoming season, how he thinks the team's going to be better. Um, we love to hear that, tend to agree with him. Obviously, we hope the team's going to be a little bit better than last year. But uh, we'll jump into our own conversation now. Last year, we did some superlatives right before the season started, kind of uh, giving our picks for um, certain categories, how we think the season's going to play out. So let's jump into that. Our uh, our first one that we want to talk about is the best forward on the team. And obviously there's a lot of new options coming in this year, but uh, what, what are you thinking we're going to see from the forward group? So I'm pretty sure I picked this individual last season as the most improved player. So if you guys are doing your homework at home right now, you probably know who I'm going to pick, but I'm going to throw it right out there. It's Taylor McCarr, in my opinion. I've been going absolutely off on Adar Suniev. You know, we'll, we'll see – how he ends up doing, you know, my thoughts and opinions on him. I absolutely love the guy, but I think, I think this right here is going to be the Taylor McCarr, like real breakout year. I think he's going to start dominating. Like I, I saw a couple of reports from, I think it was like the daily collegian or something earlier today before we started recording this and Carvey was allegedly really trying to get him to work on his skills on the ice. And he's really going to try and get him to improve and be a big time offensive leader on the team. And I think this is the season that's going to happen. Yeah, I would love to see that. I think he's definitely going to have to clean up a lot of the sloppiness with the penalties and stuff like that. But I, I agree with you. I think his offensive potential is definitely very high there. Guy high. And uh, the guy that I'm going to go with, kind of an easy pick after last season, Kenny Connors. He was second on the team in points last year. Just really solid, especially out of the start last season. Um, I think he's just going to have a really solid year. He's going to get a lot of minutes um, with a bunch of younger guys also uh, in the forward group. So, I'm pretty confident that he's going to have a very big sophomore season. And that that's to the surprise of absolutely nobody. You know what I mean? The the line mates that, you know, we're expecting him to play with is assuming they don't change from last season, of course, he's going to be surrounded by some insane talent, you know, most likely Cole O'Hara and probably Michael Cameron, you know, and that was another guy who we were both tipping as somebody who could be really, really good this mm -hmm. season is honestly both Cole O'Hara and Michael Cameron. So, you know, he's going to have a lot of talent on that line and I think he'll be, you know, definitely a, a candidate to be up there in the best forward conversations for sure. For sure. Next, we'll move on to the best defenseman. Uh, me and you are pretty aligned on how we yeah. see this playing out. It's if he if he has the season, we're hoping it'll definitely be Scott Morrow. I think we're both in agreement there. 
Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, obviously you guys are listening to this right after the Carvey interview and, you know, Carvey was saying, you know, and this is something that really stuck out to me was the fact that he said that Morrow thinks that he needs another season, you know, to, to really hone his game. And I feel like that sort of self-awareness about kind of just overall how he played and how the whole team was last season, I think is going to be really, really good for his development. You know, having the, the, the maturity to recognize that and know, you know, where he needs to improve. I think is just, you know, one step into the into the process of just becoming way better. And I, I think I think he really will hit his development and his potential this season for sure. Yeah. And the other easy pick here would be Ryan Ufko. Um, oh, easily captain for this season. Um, I think he's still gonna have a great year as well. Uh he was a shockingly a minus twelve last season. Yeah. Um, we'll see, we'll see if that carries over. I I hope not, but um I think he'll also have a great season. I just think Moro's primed to take a bigger jump. Definitely. I mean, just in the case of, of Ryan Ufka, just to touch upon it real quick, was thrown into a lot of, you know, he's just being tossed into the flames, you know, type of scenarios last mm-hmm. season. He was going up against the best of the best. You know, he had to play a lot of shutdown defense when he's not really that type of guy, you know what I mean? And that's why it's so good that we added the likes of, in my opinion, a dark horse candidate for this award. I'm throwing it out there. Samuli Ninasari. I think his his defensive prowess could be absolutely monumental to helping this team. I think he's going to be the type of defenseman that could just improve everybody that he plays with, you know? So we'll, we'll obviously see how it shakes out, but the pretty safe and reasonable pick here has to be Scott Morrow, but there's definitely some dark horses over there. Yeah, for sure. All right. Next category is goaltenders. Uh, and you and I are also aligned on this one. Yep. In, in my personal opinion, if this guy's not the one that's the, we say is the best goaltender at the end of the season, something's gone wrong. Uh, it's Michael Harabel. Uh, yeah. We both think he's going to come in and be the starter this year. And the reason I say that is I think if he loses the starting job, uh, things will be going south for us. So kind of putting my hope into Michael Harabel, and obviously the the skill is there. Yeah, I certainly see what you're saying. I, I would say I would disagree slightly. You know, I think I still have a lot of confidence in Cole Brady. You know, he had some very, very good moments last season. You know what I mean? And I think the the good thing about the goalie tandem between th- those two is that they're both going to push each other. You know what I mean? Like they, you're going to have a really young goalie and a very experienced goalie going at it in practice every day. And that's not to completely forget about Jackson Irving either. You know what I mean? He's going to be doing his thing as the as a third goalie as well. But yeah, I mean, Harabal just has sky high potential, you know, second round pick, borderline first round pick, you know, he's literally one of the most highly rated prospects to come into UMass since Kale McCarr. And we saw, we all saw how that went, you know what I mean? So, you know, you got a six, seven, 18 year old goalie who Carvey was just singing his praises saying how level-headed and mature he is at such a young age. It's a recipe for success. You, there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I, we hope, you mentioned in our interview with Carvey uh, a lot of height at the goaltender position too. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be something to look out for a couple of big dudes. I think that's going to shock a lot of people come warmups on Saturday. Definitely. I think, I think the whole dude mass uh, UMass football things kind of leaking into, into UMass hockey a little bit. We're, we're getting some certified dudes on the team. For sure. All right. Our next category is the most points. And yet again, you and I are aligned. We're not, we're not doing this to have a conversation and bring up more guys. We talked about the newcomers already, so we're going with what we actually believe here for this. Uh, and I, we both have Scott Morrow. I think if he has the jump that we hope and think he's going to have this season, I think he uh, can easily lead the points. He led the team in points last year by pretty sizable margin. So mm-hmm. uh, I think it's his to lose. Yeah, there's no way that there's no reason to reinvent the wheel here. You know what I mean? Like Scott Morrow is the dude, you know, even, 
for all the times that I was a pretty vocal uh, complainer about him last season, definitely at, in some key moments. I mean, you can't deny man gets his points. You know what I mean? That's that's just the type of player that he is. And I'm only expecting him to get better in that regard. You know, he's going to be surrounded by a much deeper team with more talent and more opportunities to put the buck, puck in the back of the net. He's just going to get more points as a result. Yeah, and a lot of uh, better opportunities to get assists and stuff as well. Um, 100%. So should should he should win this if uh, his season goes like last year and especially if he gets a little bit better. Yeah. All right. Our, our next award is most improved player. Uh, we finally are thinking a little bit differently here. Uh, my guy, a uh, little bit of a sleeper. I feel like a lot of people aren't thinking about him. Uh, it's Lyndon Alger. He didn't play almost all of last season with the leg injury. Um, he's a bigger guy, a defenseman. I think he has the chance to come in and be the type of defender that we didn't see last season, which I think is going to really um, make UMass fans fall in love with him. Yeah, no, I mean, he was somebody that, quite frankly, not not to disrespect anybody, but he flew off my radar. You know what I mean? Like, he, he was out for so long last season. He, he really was, you know, it made me completely forget about the fact that I thought he was one of our better defensemen to start the year. You know, he was a big, strong, you know, especially for a guy that didn't really play too much, you know, the previous couple of seasons. He was basically like a, a scratch, you know, seventh defenseman a lot of the time. And he started to work his way up the lineup. You know, that's that's huge. And like you said, we definitely were missing that sort of strong defensive presence. I think if we need somebody to kind of, you know, shore up the defensive ranks a little bit, I think he can definitely work his way back into the lineup. I'm just more of the opinion that, you know, we just have so much depth this year. You know what I mean? Like we're going to be focusing on, you know, some of the really talented youth that we're bringing in, like, like with Torn Fist. And, you know, we just have so many talented defensemen right now. It might be tough for him, but I completely agree. He he definitely has the potential to win that award for sure. Yeah. And who's your guy? I, I got to I gotta go. This, this is, in my opinion, I think it's kind of a sleeper pick. When I told you this before the podcast, you were like, ooh, no, that's a really good pick. You know, not a lot of people are going to forget about him, but I'm picking Cole O'Hara. You know, I feel like I think he was like sixth on the team in points last season. I'm going off memory here. And he had a quietly extremely productive freshman year. You know what I mean? Like, again, he was playing with the likes of, you know, Michael Cameron and uh, Kenny Connors, but he he got his assists. You know what I mean? I think he wasn't really much of a goal scorer. I think he had four goals on the season, if I remember correctly. And I think mm -hmm. two of them came in like the same game. I think it was like that that Nightmare Clarkson game over yeah. in the, uh, what was it? The, the quick trip holiday face-off. We got to th throw it back to that for a second. In Wisconsin. But, um, yeah, no, our favorite. But, um, yeah, I think he ended up getting two goals in that, or that might have been Tyson Dick. I don't remember. Key point is, though, is that I think he can make a big stride. You know, I think that entire line as a whole is going to be very strong. And I think, you know, if Kenny Connors makes a jump and Michael Cameron makes a jump, they're just going to benefit so much from Cole O'Hara's playmaking. Mm. Because, like I said, I can't really think of many games where he's, like, single-handedly took over and done anything crazy. But he, I couldn't think of a bad game that he's had either. You know what I mean? So he's a very reliable and a very, very solid forward. So I'm expecting him to make to make a big jump and really make a name for himself because he has the draft pedigree. You know what I mean? He's a he's a Predators pick. So I definitely think uh, there's some potential there to be reached. Yeah, I agree with you. I think he has a lot of untapped potential that hopefully we see um, next season and if not the season after that. Certainly. All right, our next category, Colt Hero. So basically who we think is going to turn into a fan favorite amongst UMass fans. Uh, my my pick, uh, strategic. I know UMass fans love a goalie. Uh, obviously, in the second second period, 
when the goalie skates over to where the student section is, UMass fans are going crazy. Whoever it is, Matt Murray, Philip Lindbergh over the years, even away goalies, uh, Jeremy Swayman. Oh, Swayman. The fans go crazy over after just a couple games. So I'm going with Michael Hrabble. He's going to be a big guy, like pretty easy to like, a young freshman. And if he has some good performances the first couple games of the season, I think people are going to be wearing shirts, holding signs, all of it. I think I think it's pretty easy to become that if you're a good goalie at UMass. You can't go wrong with a six foot seven baby face goalie like that. You know what I mean? It's just it's it's a recipe for success. I mean, I don't blame you in the slightest. I think he's going to be amazing. But I'm going to go with a little bit of a an off kilter pick here. I feel like you know this guy might have just flown under the radar in, in general because I feel like not a lot of people can pronounce his last name correctly. <laughs> I'm going with Samuli Ninasari of you know the the Finnish transfer from Brown. Um, I think he's going to be exactly what this fan base has been missing you know at least from our defensive core for a little while now you know just hard hitting very solid defensively not somebody that you're going to be like oh my god he turned over the puck or anything like that he's going to be a guy that you're going to look at game in game out smiling from ear to ear knowing that if he if the puck is anywhere near him you can you can actually take a second and not have a you know a heart rate of 160 beats per minute you can calm down for a sec you feel like the puck's in some good hands and I really think that that he's going to be that that type of guy. He's going to lay down some big hits, crazy good poke checks. He's going to block shots. He's going to be that hard nose, high character type of defenseman that, that this team really really needs. And we, I'm not going to say that we haven't had that. You know, like Bollinger is definitely a big shot blocker. Like we have guys out there that can play big, but I really think this is going to be a whole new level to that type of type of player. Yeah, I'm I'm not too familiar with his game, so I'd love to hear what you're saying right there. You yeah, we're throwing high character around. Love that. I can I can see you throwing up uh, that Shaq meme where it's like, I'm sorry, I wasn't familiar with your yeah. game. You're gonna be making that at the end of the season when we're when we're talking about our, our superlative winners. That'll be fun. All right, I, I would love to see that. Our uh, our last category we have here is best game slash experience. Uh we had a, a bit more to choose from last season, obviously with the I Northern Ireland trip, frozen Fenway, um, that kind of thing. Uh, not as many to choose from this year, but there's still some fun ones. Uh, I'm definitely going to go with the Lake Placid games, obviously to play at, at the former Olympic campus, I guess you would call it, um, right after Christmas. It'll be a fun trip, probably some cool uh, wintry weather as well. So seeing a new place, going to somewhere that historic um, and that uh, big of a hockey town, I think that's going to be a really cool experience daring today aren't we Cameron no I'm just kidding that's that's the easiest pick you'll ever make in your life just for the sake of, of the podcast and being a little different obviously I mean Lake Placid's pretty easy pick at the end of the day but I'm gonna go I'm gonna go off the trail a little bit I'm gonna go for the Harvard away game mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm throwing this to a completely different sport for to provide some context but I remember we went there for a basketball game I want to say so last year the year before yep. last okay. year last year and that place was rocking with UMass fans. You know what I mean? Like we turned that into a home game at an, another opponent's gym like that. I think the exact same thing can happen with hockey. You know what I mean? Like Harvard, great hockey school. They have a really good program, a lot of history, respect the hell out of it. But we have, we have a ton of alumni in the Boston area. And if we can have that same sort of atmosphere, especially I think it's on black Friday, mm-hmm. like that's, that's going to be an awesome atmosphere. You know what I mean? I really think that we can turn that into an extremely memorable game against a most likely ranked opponent. You know what I mean? I think we can really make a big splash, you know, gain some pairwise points there and and really, really make a splash at a pretty key moment in the season right there. Yeah, I am extremely excited for that matchup. Um, I think it's like a four o'clock start too. So yeah. a little early evening. Uh, that'll be a fun time. 
Definitely. And also, uh, got to mention uh, the couple games against Michigan next yeah. weekend. I think those are going to be a really fun watch as well. So, uh, and obviously, Hockey East is really strong this year. So um, if UMass can uh, play play to their abilities this upcoming season, go to going toe to toe with BC, BU. I think those are going to be some some fun matchups. Oh, certainly, yeah. But I just think, you know, for for the sake of this question, it's all about location, location, location. And I think we got some, besides our wonderful Mullen Center that we know and love, I mean, get some away games in there and some cool spots, obviously, is going to be great as well. Yeah, for sure. All right, that is all we had for superlatives. Um, We would preview the upcoming game against AIC. Um, We're going to be doing that after series recaps now. Um, It's not going to have its own dedicated episode. But you kind of heard our thoughts on what we think of the roster and everybody. Um, there haven't been any games yet, so obviously we don't have anything to go off of um, for either team. So I think we're going to skip over that one just for this week. But you definitely definitely heard our collective thoughts, us two and Coach Carvel, on uh, this team before their first game. So Yeah, if you guys need anything for your for your pregame ride up to Mullins, I think this will be a great episode if you, if you can't get around to it during the week. We're going to release this in about an hour and a half from now we're, we're getting it in right at the buzzer but um yeah no we have a we have a couple of other episodes with quite a bit of content i think across both of those episodes about two hours worth of content mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that you guys can definitely listen to you know what are we going to do talk about aic's recruiting class that we know nothing about like <laughs> we don't really have a whole lot of stats to go mm-hmm. off of there so this i i'm hoping it will hold you guys over these this ravenous fan base that we have accumulated over this past what like year and a half now so i i think uh We'll we'll get back to you guys with your regularly scheduled programming after this week's game. Yep, and we will be back after the first game against AIC for our game recap. Uh, that will hopefully, fingers crossed, be a fun one. So make sure you tune in for that. Thank you guys for listening to this one. It's a really fun episode that I am hoping that we'll able, be able to do every year with Coach Carvel. Uh, we're two for two so far, so and he had some kind word for us. So I don't think uh, we're going to slow down there. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching on YouTube if you're watching from there. And go UMass. Let's get a win this weekend. Go UMass. Take care, everybody. Thanks, Carvel. And let's get a win against AIC and start off 1-0.